0: My message has to do with uh, difficult times, hard times, situations that have uh, come upon us as Americans. Um, But when I get an email like this or I get some type of uh, literature from the Voice of the Martyrs, uh, I'm immediately embarrassed of my steadfastness or my endurance um, because these people certainly are in wicked trials that make mine look pretty, pretty silly. Here we are. We do live in America. We do not live in Sudan or Ethiopia or these places now that are under this heavy uh, persecution. Um, Most likely, it might come this way, but as as of now, it is not. But I also believe that we are still a kind of uh, the Lord's boot camp. We're still being prepared for that which is coming. I don't know. uh, We're Americans, but we seem to be slow to arise and slow to awake uh, of the situation now. There's no use spending much time telling you about what's going on, right? I mean, you ought to know. You ought to know. You ought to see it. Um, the news is something you almost have to pray for a whole day before you turn around and watch it. It's so discouraging and never any uh, good news, no turn of events ever coming out of um, any political realm that get, might give the country hope, uh, whether it's religious freedom or whether it's just uh, the economy. It's just absolutely crazy. And so I believe that the Lord is attempting to uh, toughen you and I up. Uh, on Wednesday nights now for a few weeks we have been looking at uh, videos how the Lord teaches us through desert experiences. and It's kind of changed my whole thinking on uh, this desert because we would always say, you know, when things aren't going well and uh, whatever, and there might be confusion or you're bad or all this kind of, you're in this wilderness, this desert experience. But this guy's bringing out this whole other side of the desert, how it's a teaching experience, being led there by the Spirit of God for an absolute purpose. And so we want to kind of incorporate all that into this, this morning. The title is simply called The Swelling of the Jordan. Jeremiah twelve five simply states this, talking to you and I: If thou hast run with the footmen and they have wearied thee, then how canst thou contend with horses? How are you going to do when horses come? This is Jeremiah now, and if he and if in the land of peace where you and I are, wherein thou trustest and we do, and now they have wearied thee, then how wilt thou do in the swelling of the Jordan? The word of God says the swelling, pro- progressions of difficulties that have come and that will come our way. Now, this summer is the uh, Summer Olympics, I believe. In an Olympic Games, these greatest runners of the world compete for gold medals. Do they not? And some of you will probably like to watch it. But long before the races that you'll see this summer, uh, all over our land and in the countries throughout the world, they they meet to to race, to weed out those who aren't fast enough to qualify for this final Olympic competition. Well, in this statement of Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, Jeremiah was also involved in a fierce competition, kind of like what we're getting now in America. The right and the left, the conservative, the liberal, the Christian, all this kind of stuff that's kind of going on. The prophet Jeremiah But his competition was between idolatry and wicked priests. He was responding to the Lord's call, and God had called him to condemn Judah and to predict her downfall. Which is kind of like where we are with America. It's hard to believe. Some of us still kind of can't put our grab our minds around it, wrap it around it, that somehow we're going to come out of this, snap out of this, but it sure doesn't seem like it. And so Jeremiah was called to predict this and, and constantly bark out the downfall. Now, it came to Jeremiah, after all this time, it, a time it came became so discouraged. And that's where maybe you and I are. So discouraged that he asked the Lord, why does the wicked always prosper? Why is always the news good for them? Why, why are we never hearing anything good? And he goes, also he says, why are they happy? This can be found in Jeremiah 12.1. This discouragement, this disheartened. No matter what kind of uh, situation or circumstance you're, you're counting on, it never seems to benefit the godly. It always seems to be benefiting the ungodly now. New laws, old laws, new politicians, old politicians, a new Senate, a different Senate, this Senate, that Senate, always seems to come back and could be very discouraging and disheartening. And that's what Jeremiah always says. How come the wicked always prosper? He's moaning to God, in other words, which I'm sure maybe you have never done. But he's complaining and barking out to God. How can this be? How much longer do we got to go through this? Now, in essence, this is what God says to Jeremiah from that opening text. He's saying, if, "If the footmen have worried thee," in other words, he's saying the competition has just begun. It's you're just in the beginning stages. So far, you've been dealing with minor issues, transgender bathrooms. That's minor. It's minor. It really is. He said, you've been dealing with minor issues, been running with footmen. He says, how are you going to handle it when the really tough stuff comes and you have to contend with the horses? This is what God's telling Jeremiah. Jeremiah, who's been prophesying, living, and, and trying to be obedient to God, comes to a part of disheartened discouragement and say, God, why, how much longer? I can't stand it. And God says, oh, dude, you've just started. Americans, American Christians, it's the truth. I don't want it to be the truth, but it is. So in other words, perhaps you've run into some difficulties recently yourself. Some situations that seem to just be overwhelming or disheartening, discouraging. They kind of go on and on and on. Maybe it's your boss or, or an illness, conflict in your personal life, a desert journey that won't seem to end. And something I've noticed, I've got this mind of a desert that it's just flat sand forever. But these videos are showing these huge mountains and you can't see very far. And the rocks everywhere, just rocks, big ones, small ones, little ones, ankle benders, all kinds of things. And it just seems to go on and on, and maybe that's where you are. You've pleaded with the Lord for relief. Come on, God. Whether it's do something for you, yourself, your marriage, your children, your finances, your health, or your country. How much longer, God? And in response, kind of what this scripture is saying, God is saying, you know what? It's time for you to toughen up and dig in. He does. That's exactly what it's means. He says it, it, it may get worse when he asks you to run with the horses. Footmen are just men battling against each other. Now here comes the horses, and the word horses means swift. The danger that you and I could be facing. So this is what God was telling Jeremiah when Jeremiah was barking out his complaint and feeling like he's been in this desert long enough or he's carried the load long enough and it's time now, God, for some victory, some honey, some, something sweet to happen. And the response was, dude, this is just the footman. Luke 13, says this. About the Lord. Now listen, because we we miss a lot. And he went through the cities and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Then one of them said to him, Lord, are there a few that be saved? And he said unto them, he really didn't answer the question, but he kind of said unto them, listen, this is to you and I, strive. I don't know if any Americans strive. We're not used to striving. We're used to comfort and relaxation. We're used to provisions. But God says, Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in, and are not going to be able to. Now remember, it just lines up with, The footmen are too much for us. And God says, There's horses coming. And then what are you going to do? The swelling of the Jordan. When it goes over the bank and washes. You're just dealing with the footman right now. And so God tells us here about salvation. He tells you and I how we are to do this. And he says, you better strive. Because he knows about all the enemies and all the situations that are out there to take your eyes off of him. That my greatest enemy is myself. I make the devil look like a Cub Scout. I do. It's it's myself. But then you do have the devil, and then you got all his hordes. Then you have the world in general, and it's Antichrist spirit. So God is telling you how you are to enter in. It's by striving. And that word strive means to, to contend, you struggle. You fight and struggle mostly with yourself. To contend and struggle, listen, with difficulties and dangers, God is saying. That's how. Now here's the truth about us. We do not understand the intensity of the fight over our salvation and over this walk we're on. We don't understand the intensity. We don't understand all the midnight oil being burned. Some demon den to try to discourage and kill and destroy your walk. We don't understand the intensity and the hard mask of the devil as he whips his imps. And he says, get them, get them, destroy them, get them. <coughs> we don't understand this. And so God tells you, hey, you're just dealing with footmen. Some of those old scenes where they would just charge with clubs and spears at each other. You have this, this great victory. Horrible, gruesome way to fight. Kind of have this great victory and they're sort of finally getting over it. And then they look up and all of a sudden they see there's another horde of coming, but this time they're coming in horses. And this is what's going on across our nation right now. So God tells us in Matthew 11, verse 12, He said, this is nothing new. He says that from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. See, I don't know if that's another scripture. I don't know if we can wrap our minds around. Religion in America is kind of a moment of silence or just to, we, we don't have any concept at all of what God is trying to tell us as he tries to prepare us. Listen, that's why there's the desert that he sends you in. Because other than that, we won't get prepared. That's why there's boot camp when I got into the army. I was this pretty little ball player that was going to make it. You think they cared about that when they saw me? I think I've told you before, but remember my long name, DiVincenzo? And the D.I. was another Italian. Tofiori was his name. I'll never forget his name. he come up to me and he says, Hey, you an Italian. I went, Yeah. He goes, I hate digos." big slang word. He didn't care that I could hit the baseball. Now look at the Amplified, Matthew eleven twelve. 12. Listen to this. And from the days of John the Baptist until the present time, the kingdom of heaven has endured violent assault, and violent men seize it by force As a precious prize, a share in the heavenly kingdom is sought with most ardent zeal and intense exertion. We're like, what? I'm just going to church. You see, we're so unprepared for the swelling of the Jordan and the horses. The footmen have us doing this. Will his his term ever end? (sighs) And we get worn out over these little issues. Ardent zeal means a burning eagerness heat in this Christianity, in this journey that you're all on, all of us. This burning, eagerness, heat is the type of zeal that we should have towards this. And then the word says, then he goes, goes intense exertion. Intense means to an extreme degree, emotional. Now, we just played a softball game last Monday. <clears throat> I know the pastor, nice guy, great guy. And the first game, we barely won. Should have lost, we barely won. Every pitch, every play, he was going, Way to go, Bob! Way to go! It's all right! You'll get it next time! We had seven innings of that. And I'm thinking, dude. <laughs> and I'm coaching first, which I never do, and he's back here on the fence hanging like this. Just into it. And in me, I'm thinking, dude, it's over the top. <laughs> Seriously. And I'm thinking, well, okay. Because usually they're not that well, that good. I don't know if we've ever lost to them. And either they were ahead or we were tied. And I'm thinking, Phew. as no wonder that dude's pumped. They are just so excited. They're into this game. Well, we pulled it out somehow. I don't know how, but we did. The next game, it's the last inning. We're winning 11-2. to two. And he's going... Nice kids, Jim. Way to hustle, man. You're awesome. I'm glad you're on my team. There's no way they're going to win. And so when I, when I looked at this and thought, to an extreme degree, emotional, I thought about that pastor. How he was. There's none of us like that when it comes to the things of God. To an extreme degree, emotional. Emotional. And then the word exertion. And that means to strive, to labor, to sweat in this journey. So you can see how we're so unprepared. Because it's just the footmen right now. And they're a pain. And they seem to be coming like tsunamis. Round after round after round. We're just going, Lord, I'm wore out. And God says hey Jeremiah. Jeremiah was moaning and God rebuked him. He said, "What are you going to do?" Jer- See what we think in America is God's going to say, "Oh, Jeremiah, I'm sorry. You're overheated. Let me come and rescue you." That's how we have God in our in our heads. Cuz we're American and God's an American. That was a lie, right? You know that. God's not an American. He's not an American. All right, so after all this now, we're getting to where God has to, will take you or me or us in this church. It's not he might, he will. 1 Timothy, Paul tells us to fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. And then he says, lay hold on eternal life. It's as if you're in a tug of war. As soon as you come to Christ, no matter what your knowledge is of the things of God, immediately the enemy's coming and trying to snatch what you got away from you. However, whatever form, old friends, old girlfriend, old job, old booze, old drugs, old, old, whatever it is, doesn't matter. He comes, so God says, you lay hold of it. That's the struggle. Fight the good fight. I don't know if we do that. The Word of God tells us that we must run this race, fight this race, and wrestle. Because of the swelling of the Jordan. And you know what happens in swelling of the Jordan? Things and people get swept away if that anchor isn't planted. That's why God talks about the great falling away, and it started already. I don't even know if it's reached great yet, but the falling away has started. Too rough, too hard, too. We're becoming obvious now. The wheat and tear are blooming, and I believe the tear, the seed is black, and we're going, whoa! And the wheat, you're going, ah, you're a wheat. And the world's going, We don't, do not understand the intensity of the fight that we are in. There's no way we understand it. Now, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24, and this is the New Living Translation. It says, Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs? If you guys are into the Olympics, we kind of like the Winter Olympics better, but either one, they're all racing, right? So whether they're on the block or... In that thing where they hit the gate and go down, and it goes beep, beep, bam, can't. And he do just that. I ain't racing. It, the word says, everyone that's in a race races. Whether you like the Indianapolis 500 or uh, the Sprint Cup, whatever it is, when the, the thing drops, no one goes, i wait till the next lap. They all go. You hear the roar. They all race. So the Lord simply says, don't you realize that in a race everyone runs? Apparently we don't. But only one person gets the prize. So what's the look at? He said, so run to win. Yeah. Yeah. Meandering around as a Christian is torture. You know, do I want to, do I not? I want to, I don't. I am, I'm not. I will, maybe. That's just torture. Run to win, he says. All athletes are disciplined in their training. <clears throat> and boy, they are. They do it to win a prize, listen, that will fade away. They just buried Muhammad Ali. They did a special on him. They can't find his uh, uh, gold medal that he won in the 60s. Someone stole it or lost He can't find it. Things like that fade away. Mike Webster the Steelers won, I think he won four Super Bowls or at least two and rings all over the place. They found him abandoned, dead in his car, alone, homeless. Sold his rings. For stuff that fade away. Iron Mike. Never missed a game. Dead at 50. Athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But listen, it says, but we do it for an eternal prize. They go nuts to, to flip and twizzle and come down on a four-inch beam. Spend their life hoping them up on the Wheaties box. And we're doing it for eternal life. Eternal life. You don't understand the prize. What's left? It's heaven or hell. It's not a gold medal or Wheaties box. Or on the late night show. It's heaven or hell. So God says, lay hold. The footmen are wearing your... I'm not even going to vote. They're wearing us out, the footmen. Look, look at this next verse, 26. So I run with purpose. We've gone from, I can't remember who it was, John Adams, Samuel Adams, I don't know what he was. Someone of those Adams, 14 years old, I think he was. He was an ambassador. Fourteen. to now we graduate most of us don't even know what we're doing I've seen the funniest millennium video one of these days I'm going to show it to you Just absolutely hilarious but sad I mean that's how far we have so I run with purpose remember was it last week I said the purpose of your life is to fear God And keep his commandments. That's it. That's the whole conclusion, he says. Fear God and keep his commandments. So, the purpose of your life is greater than your life. That purpose, you are to fear God, keep his commandments, you're a billboard for God. It's greater than your life. So, I will run with purpose. Look at this, in every step, taking no breaks to horse around or this. How about this one? He's just sowing his wild oats with hell waiting for him. And the Bible says hell enlarges her mouth. Why do you enlarge your mouth? Because you can't get enough in. I just tried one of those ham and cheese sliders at Arby's last week. They're sliders because they're little. I didn't have to go. Did you get one of them big boy sandwiches? I I never ate one of those Big Macs. Just don't kind of like it. But now they have a junior and a medium and a big one. You'd have to enlarge your mouth. That's what the Bible's talking about with hell. It has to enlarge. Or, or look at this. Or they'll miss people. They'll follow because there's so many. No one's running with purpose every step. Just meandering. So God is saying, look, that's why Church of America is going, here come the footmen, here's another wave. The war out over footmen. All right, Galatians 5, 7. Or um, let me finish verse 27. So he goes, I discipline my body like an athlete, training to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. King James says, or a castaway. After you've done it. After you preached. After you taught. After this, after that, after this. Throws that once saved, always saved right out the window. I kind of would like that once they'd always say. Give my heart to God and buy my hammock. Right? Lord, I love you. Now I'd like to have a two-door hammock with air conditioning and a pop dispenser. See you in eternity, God. Galatians 5, 7 says this to you and I. You did run well. But who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? You understand, not obeying the truth means hell is waiting for you. You don't hear that much anymore or that word much anymore. It doesn't take away from the truth. The footmen are wearing us out. Our commander-in-chief says horses are coming and the swelling of the Jordan is not far behind. So he's telling you and I, as we're doing this. You'll be alright. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I am your strength. Yeah. Hebrews 12, 1 says this. Wherefore. Seeing we also are compassed about with such great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight. Watch the races. Watch those 50-yard, 100-yard, whether they're running five miles. Watch them. Their clothes are almost filthy. They're so skimpy. The girls that can run real fast barely got anything. They don't want anything to be extra weight or catch wind to slow them down. Man, you look at Christians, if I could pick up all this stuff, I'd pick it all up and then try to serve God. And God wants you to leave go of certain things so you could run the race. You look at them. I think it's in August in Rio. They'll be so scantily clad, And they're they even got, if you're on a bike, they've got helmets to a point now, everything. They're so down low. They don't want any resistance at all. So he says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us and let us run. We do. We, we're off like that at times. Tangents, distracted, whatever it is. Whatever it is. Divisions. No matter, no matter what God has done. Remember the the one video, a couple videos ago, that God the guy brought us to the well and they pulled down and got the water. They were so hot and they went, The water's bitter. You're no good, God. You're trying to kill us. What's the matter with you? And God told Moses, Go there, and grab that stick, throw the stick in. Threw the stick in, pulled up sweet, clear, crystal water, going, We love you, God. We'll never trust, we'll never not trust you again. That's what we are. Wouldn't it be awesome if we weren't like that? But we are. I hate that. So sin which does so easily beset us, he goes, so let us run. in the word that everyone never wants to hear, it's with patience. And that's what the desert teaches you. That patient means endurance. So easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. I hope you come on Wednesdays. I found a bunch more. They're so awesome. You don't see anybody out there on the starting block going to do a 50-yard or 100-yard dash in the desert and be dead. It's plodding along, endurance, trusting God for everything out there. Not pretty out there. Jonathan was over there and sent us back, and he goes, This place is ugly. Said, I don't know what they're fighting over. It looks horrible. And on the videos, it does. It's not attractive. And you, you know what I thought about when I was kind of putting this message together how we do our journeys and how we are, and we're all different. You know, there's the, the turtle and the hare, or the rabbit, right? And who wants to be the turtle? I've never seen a nice looking turtle. And then, what are they? They, they are, they just are. And the hare, everybody's, oh, its little nose is going Oh, they're so fuzzy in his ears, and he's so pew 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 pew. He's fast. True. Okay, in this walk, sometimes it's not attractive. Oh, you're not attractive in it sometimes. Sometimes you're just a pain in the royal neck to God, to everybody, to yourself. But you got to just be like that turtle. Keep plodding along. And you know that the, the, the little end story is the turtle finishes his race it's the same same thing when, when you were kids did you always play you want to be an animal i don't know kids probably don't play that anymore and i'd always want to be a lion or a tiger and, you know or something until i found out elephants usually whoop them and i wanted to be an elephant and, and but i i've always wanted to preach the message i just kind of haven't really been able to wrap my head around being the, the war horse is the stallion for God. Did you ever see the horse in the night's days all decked out for war, and they're just snorting. And they're, and they're going. I mean, they just look awesome. And I would have to be truly saved and changed to be able to get on one because I'm just a chicken. It's the truth. They're just oh, shiny black. They deck them out for war. There's nothing more awesome than a horse. But sometimes it's just not that attractive. And I'm not that attractive. And you just don't have it sometimes. And I compare myself more to the, the laborious, gray, ugly oxen. Again, just no glamour, boring. I, I know all that. But that's what sometimes a desert is. It's hot. There's no mirrors, thank the Lord for you to look, you just everything is just stripped to bare faith in the desert. The ox and the turtle will finish their race even though they're unattractive. Not cute, not fast. Secondly, okay? We're in this fight. <clears throat> so we have to run this race. Now you actually, you'll be in fights. You will have fights. Paul's last testament, I think, was in uh, 2 Timothy. It's, uh, it, his death is impending. It's upon him. His death is close. So Paul says, 2 Timothy 4, 6, For I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. That's like the oxen, the turtle, he just came across, scarred, left for dead many times. <clears throat> many of those that would say, Ooh, I'm going to go with you, I'll go with you, I'll go with you. The rabbits, <laughs> They're no longer around. He kept plodding, just like you. A lot of your friends have left you. He says, I have fought a good fight. That word fought means to contend with adversaries. In this fight. Here comes another wave. And you'll take shots. And Paul says, I have fought a good fight. I have contended with many adversaries. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And I'm going, no kidding, Paul, you are outstanding. But look at the rest. And he says, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love is appearing. That's for you and I also. So continue to fight off those many adversaries. Even though you're not swift or much to look at. Unattractive. Because it's God's learning place. The desert is a big classroom. And God says, I'll never leave you. Why would the Lord say this? The psalm, David's psalm, Psalms one. If we're to ice cream social and chicken fry and hammock swing our way to heaven. Why would he say in verse 1, Blessed be the Lord my strength which teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight. Because God says the footmen and the horses are coming. And I will be with you. We don't want to hear that. I particularly don't want to hear that. But it's what it says, it's the reality. God doesn't fake you out, He tells you the truth. That word teaches means to be trained. Another reason for the desert. That word fight means battle and war. It means not to give in, not to give up. God is wanting to make us American Christian soldiers. We like to honor our soldiers, Veterans Day and all that. We ask you to stand. Well, this everyone stands on this. There's a few. I was in the Air Force. I was in the Army. I was a Marine. Thank you for their service. But everybody stands in this. God wants to make you and I soldiers. You remember, it's the greater cause is Him more than your life. That's very hard for us selfie Americans to put our heads around that it's just too hard so you're to run this race and as you run this race you are to run the win. get rid of the distractions all the dumb things that hinder you which means beat you back old habits old people old friends get rid of them behold all things become new the word of god says or they'll beat you back back into submission with the rest of the world But God says, no, in this race, you've got to watch those adversaries. You've got to fight your way through. I don't do that anymore. Let them laugh. Let them mock at you. You're laying hold of the eternal prize. Heaven and hell is at the end of everybody's race. It's a commercial. Sometimes drives me crazy. It's a retirement commercial. Never drove me crazy does now You figure out why got this huge doorway and everybody's running or walking with numbers on their back and then you got another doorway here with everybody who's planned just perfect their whole life and like three or four people are going through that and the hordes of us are going through this okay and they're they're telling me there's no way you're going to make it unless you go with whoever the company is and that, that just would, that would put fear in me, thinking, holy cow. And then i said, wait a minute. I got God on my side. The Lord is with me. He doesn't need uh, Chase or Morgan, I don't even know their names. All those people that want to say, this is what you got to do to retire. God doesn't need those people. But the world beats you back and put that, can put that stuff in you and you start to panic. You have to fight because that's, even that can, tr- you're running, you're racing, all of a sudden you're 58, you're 55, you're seeing 65, and you're going, oh my gosh. Wow, the knees don't work at oh, man. And the world's screaming this and you're going, you need a million dollars to live till you're 80? <clears throat> the world, you have to fight through the spirit of the world. It's an Antichrist spirit. Antichrist spirit. Because that's just the way it is. Thirdly, what time? Thirdly is you, you got to wrestle. Now, you know what? I would not like war and almost had to go to war. And I wasn't excited to go to war. Okay? But I would think if I was in a war, if I could pick the war, which I can't. I want to be in like World War, War One, where they're in a trench and I'm in a trench, and we're separated by two miles, and I can fight. Bang. Bang. Right? That—that's kind of this. Some of this fighting we have to do, but then God ramps it up, dude. Now you got to wrestle. Whoa, whoa, wait, wait a minute, wrestle. I watch. My grandsons play all kinds of sports. They have basketball and baseball. And, you know, there's the enemy or the other team, all that kind of stuff. And then Isaac goes out for wrestling. And all of a sudden it's and it's your grandson. Going, it's a whole different, whole different. Ruth and I are going, we're trying not to scream. You know, you're supposed to be pastor. And rip his arm off. Because it's hand-to-hand wrestling. It's different than just going bang. You don't even know if you've got the guy. Wrestling, you've got him and you've got to sweat on you. You are looking him in his eyes, you can hear him go, oh, ah. And that's what God says. Now you've got to wrestle hand-to-hand combat. Man, we'd have to put those. I was old enough where we still had the M1s, and I think the M15s, I think, were coming in. The M1, you had to do the bayonet. <clears throat> i dear Lord. Who wants to do that? You know, who wants to shoot at somebody you know, this close? You're, you're within four feet of someone. This is wrestling. Put on the whole armor of God. That you be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Not of each other, it's the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, not with each other. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world. Against spiritual wickedness in high places. This is a supernatural wrestling. But it can be hand-to-hand combat. You ever been visited by evil spirits at night? Your flesh profits nothing. Your flesh doesn't get up and say, okay, come on. Where? Your flesh can't move. If you're truly, vi- you can't move, you're frozen. It's like you can't even speak. You can just think Jesus. So all you can barely get out. Your flesh is nothing in the spiritual realm. That's the wrestling, hand to hand. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. I like the movie Black Hawk Down. You can only watch it on TV, full of bad language. And I was told that, and it came on TV most of the time because of the you know, Veterans Day, World War Day. And they're used to when they're seasoned and all this kind of stuff. And, a, and another uh, op comes up, you know, we're going to take AI. And they're at this long table, all kind of bullets and guns and this and that and canteens. And, and the rookie guy, he's just loading up on everything. He's putting his 25-pound shield on under his jacket and canteens. And the other guys are going, pfft, dude. You won't need all that. Hey, other, you see the, the uh, more veteran seasoned guys unbutton pulling those metal, chest protectors out, and boom, boom, they fall on the ground, taking their kid, weight and all that. It's just another. Well, it wasn't just another. It sounded like, looked like, it's not just another service. We need to learn to wrestle, even in the midst of sometimes our own personal struggles. Wrestling, the definition, a contest between two in which each endeavors to throw the other. That's what I'm doing with little Isaac. Between two, and he's down, he's got the guy, and he throws him over. And he goes, and he wins. I'm going, yeah. I'm going, this is kind of dumb. He gets a little pin in his hat because he pinned the guy. He did it for two years, and he was getting good. He's a little fellow. You see him running around here. His coach threw him up in the upper bracket, and they mopped the floor with him. And I remember walking over looking for the coach. I couldn't find him. I know it's the whole dad thing, stay out of it, but... He's getting killed for what? For a stupid pin in his hat? Contest between two is what this is. In which one endeavors to throw the other. Look, and it is decided when the victor is able to hold his opponent down with the hand upon his neck. That's the spiritual definition. And because the footmen were going... And that's long range... God says, what are you going to do? What's New Hope going to do? Are we still going to be standing here? All right. Genesis thir- 32, 24. Here it comes again. Here's another wrestling match. And Jacob was left alone. Alone. That's where you're all going. <clears throat> Couldn't stand boot camp because you had to do it. You had to crawl through the hard ground that millions of soldiers have crawled before you, you had to shoot over your head, your elbows and knees taking a beating, you had to go through the water, jump over these walls and all this kind of stuff. You had to go into this room, we had to gasp mask, and you didn't put it on right, you're <coughs> there comes a time we're going to be left alone. You might be alone even though you're sitting here. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. This is where that the desert experience comes in. Have someone kind of been moaning quite a while about I sent this person. I said, Do you understand? The desert is where God does his finest work on those he's trusting to live for him. And I know the line is not like, I want to go, I want to go in the desert. No, it's not. But if you're in the desert and you're godly, you will say, this is the closest I've ever been to God. When there's no water, no shade, no joy, no happiness, just desert. You will. You'll say it was the closest, and you'll say, I don't want to do it again, but it was the closest I've ever been to God. <clears throat> Job said this, Wherefore then hast thou brought me forth out of the womb? Oh, that I have given up the ghost, and no I seen me. I should have been as though I had not been. I should have been carried from the womb to the grave. Are not my days few? Cease then and that. Let me alone, that I may take uh, comfort a little. Behold, I go whence I shall not return, even to the land of darkness, into the shadow of death. A land of darkness as darkness itself, and of the shadow of death, death without any order. And where the light is as darkness... And I told you, I've been here where the word of God just seems like this. Plain. I'm looking at print, but it looks like this. Light is as darkness. Always thinking, I must be this most horrible. And I think if you are truly serious with God, and you're going to handle the swelling of the Jordan, you will have to go here. If you are actively seeking God, you will journey there from time to time and you will get to understand that the desert is a sweet place of teaching. We fear it and hate it and say, No way, I'm not going there. No, no, no. Yet when God was birthing his people that were going to be the oracles of God, where were they birthed at? In the desert. Where did the patriarchs come from? The desert. Moses lived on the backside of the desert. Isaiah says, Therefore is judgment far from us. Neither does justice overtake us. We wait for light, but behold obscurity. For brightness, but we walk in darkness. We grope for the wall like the blind. And we grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as in the night. We are in desolate places as dead men. We roar all like bears. We mourn sore like doves. We look for judgment, but there is none for salvation, but it is far from us. You have seasons like that. You just do. And I'd be lying if I said it wasn't true. And you will panic in the desert if you don't hear the truth. <clears throat> the desert is where God sends his people. He's like, man. I'm going to do such a job and a work in this guy's life if you stay true and obedient to God. Most most of us say in this season, if you're in a season like this, what should I do? Listen, I'm going to tell you here's what not to do. Hebrews 10.38 tells this, Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, don't draw back in your desert experience. If you'd come on Wednesday, you'll see how he miraculously supplies for them to go maybe another day or another week. Not like the American way. The American way, we'd ask God to bring a uh, uh, some the, the Disney cruise ship through so we can get on it and have fun and ship away. It's not what He does. That drawback means to shrink from declaring. Your wife is supposed to be a billboard declaring the purpose of God. Fear God, keep His commandments, screams to everybody. But God says you start to draw back, you shrink from declaring it. The Jews were to be the oracles of God. They were to beckon the Word of God out. The mouthpieces of God. The toughest, most discouraging trials are when you and I are called to obey God's will, when the fulfillment of His promise seems so far away. Impossible. But this is why you need endurance. And here they come again. <sighs> the truth this is the truth this endurance can only be built through trials and the testing of your faith it can only be built that way no other way you can read a book about how somebody did it and how they got through but it still has to be you James says this, English Standard Version, the testing of our faith, count it all joy. My brothers, when you meet with trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Where is that in our country? Endurance, steadfastness, patience, hanging in there. Where is that? Commitment. Where is that? Because when the heat of the trial comes, is what we do, and we run. We run somewhere else. You figure if you don't hear a word like this, then you're not responsible. That's not true. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. We was in boot. I'm sure the Air Force boot camp is a piece of cake to most. But it wasn't to me, this pretty little ball player. I forget how long it was. Six weeks, eight weeks, can't remember how long. Seventh week, it's all about behind us now. They're even treating us a little different now. A little bit, tiny bit of respect now. And a dude in my platoon freaks out. Just goes bonkers. Screams, hollers, just goes nuts. They grab him, throw him in the hospital, in the clink, or whatever it was. Finally got him straightened out. You know what he had to do? He had to start all over again. He had to go back to the beginning. And I wasn't a praying dude at all. I going, <laughs> <laughs> who wants to go through that again? He had to start all over again, and that's a lot of you bail out. You run to another church, or you stop coming, or you can sit here and bail out. Doesn't matter what. You got, then you got to start all over. Steadfastness means loyalty, commitment, and determination—not to me, to the Lord, to the Lord. And God sends His good. He goes, Look at this group, this is going to be awesome he sends them out. He uses the situations that come our way. But you might be saying, but Pastor, it's so dark I can't see. And I understand that. But let me tell you this. But God says this. I can. I know you're in pitch... Darkness, at time you can't see in front of you, stumbling over everything. And you say, God! And he goes, it's just a footman, my child. What are you going to do when the horse is in the swelling of the Jordan? But Lord, why are they always so happy? Why are they getting all their way? God, it's so dark and I can't see. And God simply says to you, but I can, I can see The desert is raw naked trust faith in God there's nothing you can do in the desert that's why God puts us there some of you are there and God's rest will be there God's not in this to kill you. He died himself so you would have life. We live. Look, we live amongst false teachers. We live amongst false Christ's, false pastors. There seems to be a falling away soon to follow, maybe by the great falling away. Uh, we are falling from the principles of God, are we not? In our nation, we're just turning our back so fast it's insane. We're hearing of reports of entire counties being given over to drug addiction and alcohol. Counties that are around this county. You know what that is? That's the footman. That's all that is. It's the footman. At the swelling of the Jordan is a place where you and I have to completely trust God. That's what He wants. Abraham, get out of the earth of Chaldees. Get out. Okay, I, I, I'll get out. You want me to go right, left? Get out. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Do you want me to go north, south? I'm willing, but what? Get out. He didn't tell him where. He said, "Get out." And Abraham had to cross through the desert. Vine raw faith, not knowing where God was taking him, not knowing, but stand. The footmen have been about wearying thee, but God would say to you and I, "You'll be all right." You're all right. You'll make another day. You'll eat. You'll have strength to do it again. Because he knows the horses are coming and the swelling of the Jordan and he's getting his army who are going to supply Water in the desert for those who are going to be thrust out there behind us. You're going to provide shade for the one who just can't go on, I can't go on, I can't believe it anymore. And you're going to come and you're going to go, arm around them. You're going to supply shade. God will never leave you nor forsake you. Let me tell you what God has done for me. And I'm a nobody. Be aware thank you, I feel so much better. That's what you're going to do to them. God's purpose for your life is greater than your life. That's our over call. Please come. Talk to God. Don't, don't be afraid of God. Let him lead you and guide you.